This is Dealcast, brought to you by Accurus. I'm Juliana Needham. Today we're talking about one of the biggest potential deals in Europe this year, the offer for WorldPay. The payment processing group has seen bid interest from two US suitors, JP Morgan and Vantiv. WorldPay and Vantiv have now agreed the terms of a bid. To tell us more is deal reporter Samantha Tomaszczyk. Now, it seemed at one point like we were in for a competitive sale process. Were you surprised to see JP Morgan leave the process so quickly after the terms of the Vantive offer were published? Yes, in one sense, it was surprising. WorldPay is a scarce asset and there was some rationale definitely for JP Morgan. And in addition to that, when the Vantive uh, terms came out, it wasn't a price that would bowl investors over. In fact, some have spoken out against the, the price. And it's a cash and shares offer? Yes. But on the other hand, when we spoke to banks about the deal, uh, it did seem that there was some sort of sell process. And the reason why there there might have been that sell process is because the Vantive interest has been quite long term with WorldPay. And that was really coming to a head. So I think what happened is when WorldPay uh, looked to release the statement, JP Morgan hadn't quite put their pens down. But clearly they did once the Vantive terms were released. However, it's not all over yet because there is... Potential for a rival offer. Um, we've pointed to global payments and first data, but it seems with, with both of those there might be issues. For example, with global payments, merger control issues have been mentioned. And with first data, it looks like they're just slightly too highly levered. And we, we've had some shareholders saying that the offer is too low. That, that's common. We often hear that from shareholders. But um, perhaps rather than a rival bid, a higher price could be achieved with a Vantive bump. Yes, we did speak to a top 15 shareholder who said the bid was too low and that as a result they might not tender. And then we also spoke to some investors who were okay with the price and said it was fair value. So it will be interesting to see what the structure of the deal is and what the shareholder threshold is. Uh, and what was the, what's the premium? The premium is about 19%. So, I mean, some people are saying that premiums for the sector are 30 to 40%. And well-pay shareholders, it's a cash and share deal, well-pay shareholders will end up with about 41% of the combined company. Are there any advantages to this structure that, that aren't that obvious yet? Yes, potentially. It's been suggested to us that uh, in achieving 41%, that's obviously crossing the 40% threshold for well-to-pay investors. And that would enable um, the merged entity to take on a structure. That means they can benefit from tax savings, but at the same time they won't fall foul of tax inversion rules. What's next with deal? It's under UK takeover rules. When's the next deadline? Yep, there's a deadline coming on the 1st of August 2017. That's obviously when Vantive has to either put forward a firm intention to make an offer or withdraw. Okay, so one to watch. Now also joining us is John West, Deal Reporter's Deputy Editor, to talk about ECM in Europe. European IPO activity has been strong in the first half of 2016. But we've had two high-profile US listings flop, meal kit player Blue Apron and social media group Snap, owner of Snapchat. Is that a canary in the coal mine for activity on this side of the pond after the summer break? Um, The canary is a little woozy, but it hasn't quite fallen off its perch. You're quite right that in Europe... There's been a, a, an astonishing run of IPOs. So, you know, up, issuance is up more than forty percent in the first half of this year versus the first half of twenty sixteen. And there's always a concern, I think, when you have a lot of IPOs that the market is very toppy and that multiples are getting too high. 
and we've seen really big benchmark deals as well, like the fleet management uh, company ALD, which is being sold out of Société Générale, um, Allied Irish Banks, the privatisation IPO in, in Ireland, and of course, the delivery hero, the, the sort of Just Eat um, third party uh, food delivery app service, um, all did very well. And uh, But as you say, there are these two um, US IPOs, Blue Apron, the meal kits player, and uh, snap but i think although there are concerns about multiples in general those two deals aren't necessarily the indicators that things are taking a turn for the worse because there are specific issues about their business models blue apron spending a lot of money to entice uh, customers in um, introductory deals and so on and so forth they've advertised on a lot of podcasts um, people listening to this may have heard their adverts elsewhere um, but there's a little bit of concern that that spend isn't really translating into sustained subscriptions. Um, with Snap, um, obviously its its main asset is the Snapchat uh, the social media platform, and I think there's still some concern as to whether disappearing photographs really represent a business model. And what are the major IPO candidates for the next 12 months? Well, um, we spoke about Blue Apron just now and, uh, and Delivery Hero. Delivery Hero is a rocket internet company. Rocket Internet listed in Frankfurt, a, um, a internet startup hub group. And it uh, is going to list this HelloFresh business. Now, HelloFresh is uh, also, like Blue Apron, a kits business, um, sending out uh, recipes and food. And, of course, the fact that Blue Apron has done rather badly in the States, going from its listing price of $10 round to about, down to about $7.40, will inevitably weigh on it. And I think the question has to be asked whether it will, as had been penciled in, come in the sort of back-to-school September-October period. Elsewhere, um, Deutsche Bank is going to list its Deutsche Asset Management business. The CEO uh, of Deutsche Bank, John Cryan, very keen to put to bed any of the capital problems that have dogged the bank ever since the financial crisis. Uh, kicked off in 2008. Um, Deutsche Asset Management really is the jewel in the crown of um, uh, Deutsche Bank, a hugely profitable business, and I think it'll be uh, throwing out dividends and quite popular, therefore, with pension funds. Uh, some of the juicier names in the pipeline you asked about the next 12 months are, are really scheduled to come in 2018. So you've got uh, it's ones you read about in the press quite a bit, the Italian fashion houses, Versace and Valentino, all of these. And um, after some reports that mandates had landed earlier this year, uh, we will see, of course, whether Emirates Global Aluminium will arrive on the stock exchange. That could raise $3 billion, and it's not quite sure when that will list. Uh, and the other potential big even next year, Saudi Aramco. Indeed, yes. With a potential $2 trillion, that's right, $2 trillion valuation. But, of course, the oil price um, heading back into the sort of mid-40s area hasn't been very, um, hasn't been very accommodative for those uh, energy IPOs that have tried to take place this year. Just uh, in, in, the, you know, in, the, in recent weeks, we've had Q8 Energy Corporation having to pull its um, London uh, listing um, with, uh, on the back of a relatively uh, low oil price. And some concern, of course, too, about um, its operations um, uh, in Iraq. But equally, um, Aramco has uh, definitely, I think, a, a different profile in terms of the scale of the asset. 
and uh, I don't think it will struggle to uh, get investor interest. Yeah, we're just waiting to find out whether it's going to list in New York or London, which look to be the front runners for the listing exchange. Now, you mentioned earlier Deutsche Bank's capital position. Two other banks are raising capital via planned rights issues. Spain's Santander is looking for €7 billion Euros to back its buy of Banco Popular Espanol. And then we've got Italy's banker Carige, which needs €500 million Euros to avoid a grim fate. How are both of these progressing? Very differently. So Santander, obviously that's a growth rights issue. It's made an acquisition, obviously of a distressed asset in Banco Popular Espanol, but it was able to do a sweet deal. Um, the regulators were winding up Banco Popular Espanol. Santander was able to buy it for one euro. They both have good overlap in terms of their Spanish operations. There's a good branch network there. There's clear synergies. And therefore, the deal is popular with Santander shareholders. Less popular, it has to be said, with the equity holders of Banco Popular Espanol, who were wiped out, and uh, those bondholders that were bailed in. And there's definitely, in the Spanish press, we're seeing already that lawsuits are being prepared by those bondholders and shareholders to try to contest the way that Banco Popular Espanol was wound up. And that will certainly, I suspect, feature in the risk factors for Santander's rights issue. But I don't think there's any concern about uh, Santander shareholders' participation. That contrasts quite strongly with Banca Carriage, which really is in trouble. Um, now, there was a bit of a relief rally earlier in July when they unveiled a pre-underwriting agreement signed with Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank. But the pre-underwriting agreement is conditional on four different um, disposal programmes uh, successfully completing. And on the and on Carrie offloading a 1.2 billion portfolio of um, uh, non-performing loans. This some parallels have been drawn with Banca Monte de Paschi di Siena, which collapsed or certainly required a significant uh, government bailout at the end of 2016. It too was planning to do, albeit a much larger rights issue of five billion euros. But it also had a pre-underwriting agreement, and because it wasn't able to execute on its on its disposals, it wasn't able to get that pre-underwriting agreement into a hard underwriting agreement. And I think Carrie J, the investment case is certainly questionable. Great, thanks, John. Thanks, Sam.